Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Tuesday, March 12th. And uh, oh my gosh, what a... You know what happened. I know what happened. Something crazy just happened in the sports world. Odell Beckham Jr. was traded. Uh, it's amazing. We're going to have a big show today. We're going to talk about Kyler Murray, why I think he's a, transcend, a transcendent talent and why the Cardinals should trade for, should draft him. We'll talk about Nick Foles. I'm doing a film breakdown of Nick Foles. I'm also doing a film breakdown of Kyler Murray. We'll talk about the Antonio Brown trade. We'll talk about the Redskins. Uh, but first, we, the biggest news of the day, the thing I got to start with and what uh, my, my Instagram d- uh, DMs are just blowing up. I can't even, I'm beside myself. I'm like, oh, what is going on? Um, this is the breaking news and the biggest story of the day right now. The Giants have traded Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns. It's bizarre. It's crazy. I'm still shell-shocked. I can't believe it. Uh, the Giants in this trade get the Browns' number 17 overall pick, their first-round pick. The Giants also get a third-round pick from the Browns, and the Giants get safety Jabril Peppers. Three play- uh, two draft picks and a player for Odell Beckham Jr., and the Browns are getting a massively, massively talented wide receiver. They are a brand new football team just like that. It's unbelievable. I, again, I'm shell-shocked. I, I just, I, I can't believe it. The, the Browns have a solid quarterback. They have Baker Mayfield. This is an exciting time. If you were, I'm not a fan of the Cleveland Browns at all. Like, I like them. They're a good story. But this might be the first time in my life the Browns are the most interesting, they're the number one news story. They're fantastic. They're, they're fascinating. They could win their division. What? I, I, I just am, am beside myself. The Browns have a quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who's fantastic. They took a chance on Kareem Hunt. They signed Kareem Hunt, a running back who got kicked off the Steelers, uh, off the Chiefs and released. He's an incredible athlete. They have Jarvis Landry, one of the best wide receivers in the game, and they now have another one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Odell Beckham Jr. Not to mention the running back, Nick Chubb, the Browns are chock full of talent all over the field on offense. They're building a defense. I, oh my goodness, I, I just can't believe it. I, I cannot believe what happened. I mean, the Browns are now a terrifying force to be reckoned with. I, I feel bad for any defense that has to play against the Browns. I, I feel so bad. I mean, <laughs> I, oh, I, how do you defend them? You have two Pro Bowl wide receivers, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., and they have different skill sets that complement each other. Odell Beckham Jr. is a better outside wide receiver. Jarvis Landry can work outside, but he's better inside in the slot. The way they're going to work off of each other is just incredible, and, and I just cannot fathom. I, I really can't wait to watch it. Like, the breakdown, how in the world is anybody going to defend the Cleveland Browns? Because not to mention, they have two great wide receivers. They have two great running backs, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They have a great quarterback. Play action is going to be devastating for anybody that plays the Browns. I just... Oh, my goodness. Odell Beckham Jr. is 26 years old. He has, in the five years Odell Beckham Jr. has been in the NFL, he has 390 catches, 5,476 yards, and 44 touchdowns. I just still, I, I can't, I can't believe it. I cannot believe that this trade happened. I just, oh, man. Um, it, what's really bizarre, too, is the stark contrast between the Pittsburgh Steelers trading Antonio Brown to the Raiders and Odell Beckham Jr.'s trade to the Browns. The Steelers traded away Antonio Brown, who I think is the best wide receiver in the entire NFL. Odell, Antonio Brown is unbelievable. The Steelers traded away Antonio Brown 
for a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. The bizarre contrast is the Giants traded away their best wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., first-round pick, third-round pick, starter at safety. It just shows how clearly obvious it was the Steelers made a terrible, terrible move. Did they get petty? Did the Steelers not care about Antonio Brown and just wanted to disrespect him? I don't know. But what I do know is the Cleveland Browns are, man, it's really funny. The Steelers traded away Antonio Brown. They got much worse overnight. And now the Steelers are about to be dominated by, for years to come, by their rival, the Cleveland Browns. It's going to be so much fun. Just the sports world, think about this. To have a good Cleveland Browns team would be so much fun. We've never had that. In my lifetime, I've never had a really good, interesting, fantastic Cleveland Browns team. We have that now. We have that. That is what I cannot wait to see. I don't know, man. Anybody worried about... Here's something. This narrative is going to come out tomorrow. Everybody's going to say this. Well, what about Odell Beckham Jr.'s lack of maturity? Anybody worried about Odell Beckham Jr.'s maturity? Don't. I, I would not worry about that. Baker Mayfield, the quarterback in Cleveland, sets the tone. He is guiding their franchise. They're building a great culture in Cleveland. Not to mention, Odell Beckham Jr. will play with his buddy Jarvis Landry. They played together in college. They trained together in the offseason. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be happy to be in Cleveland. He has a quarterback who is really talented, and he's got his buddy Jarvis Landry there, and they're going to win. A, I think they're going to win a lot of games. And when Odell Beckham Jr. is winning games, he's going to have a lot of fun. And really, again, OBJ hated playing with Eli Manning. Eli Manning was the problem in New York for Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants made excuse after excuse after excuse for their quarterback, and it drove Odell Beckham Jr. nuts. He said, I I can't handle this. I need better from my quarterback. Well, he's going to get it. (laughs) He's going to get really, really good quarterback play next year, and I am just, I'm ecstatic. Look, here's the thing. Is Odell Beckham Jr. a good leader? No, he's not a good leader. He doesn't need to be. Baker Mayfield is steering the ship in Cleveland. What I know is the Cleveland Browns overnight, minutes ago, got massively better. And they made a huge, huge statement by trading for Odell Beckham Jr. It's a big trade. It matters. It's going to have a big impact. Their offense is going to be a ton of fun to watch. I think they're going to win their division next year. It's going to be, oh, sorry, sorry, Ravens. Sorry, Steelers. Bengals aren't even in the conversation. I just, man, I cannot wait to watch the Cleveland Browns next year. More in, Again, I'm more interested in watching the defenses that play against the Cleveland Browns. How do you defend them? Let's say even if Kareem Hunt isn't cleared to play and doesn't play next year, it's still an impossible task to cover two Pro Bowl wide receivers, a really good running back, a fantastic quarterback. Man, I feel bad for anybody who has to play against the Cleveland Browns next season. Um, we're going to now talk about Kyler Murray. I'm going to break him down. I'm going to do a whole film breakdown. It's going to be really fun. Um, I'm just going to be straight up. Kyler Murray is a fantastic, fantastic quarterback. He dominated last season in college. He had over 4,000 yards passing, 42 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I mean, he won the Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma. He might be the number one overall pick. But when you watch him on film, there's one thing that stands out immediately. It's the things you don't see. You don't see a lot of mistakes. You don't see a lot of bad plays. It's hard to find a really bad play from Kyler Murray at Oklahoma last year. It is. It, it just, I, I had to scour through all kinds of film looking for incompletions, looking for interceptions. He threw seven all year. 
the first thing you notice on film when you watch Kyler Murray is that Kyler Murray had great coaching in college. But it also shows he wasn't challenged very much. There's a play against Army I want to show you guys. It's a play-action fake. They, they fake a run to the inside. And Oklahoma's receiver on the left runs a post. Army's using their defensive back, number four, Max Regan, as a run defender. What that means is that he has a gap responsibility. It's his job if Oklahoma runs the football. Max has to cover number four on top of your screen. Max has to cover a certain area along the line of scrimmage if Oklahoma runs the football. And Oklahoma's head coach, Lincoln Riley, is well, well aware of this. So they fake the run. The safety steps down towards the line of scrimmage. The post runs right behind him. Touchdown. It's way, way too easy. And this happened often. I mean, Oklahoma was masterful at manipulating defenses. It's just rare to find a clip of Kyler Murray being challenged. He rarely had to work all the way across the field to his third or his fourth option. I mean, you watch his head on tape. Kyler Murray rarely works all the way across the field. And as a result, this happens because of great play design. And let's be honest, Oklahoma played a lot of really, really bad defenses. That's why you don't see a lot of bad plays, and that's why you don't see very many throws into tight windows. There's a play against Baylor. The Baylor defense is running two high safeties, but they're wildly out of position. They're both so wide, they might as well not be there. The defense is out of position. The middle of the field is wide open. It's an easy throw. It's an easy touchdown. Kyler Murray wasn't challenged because he played for a great program. It's not his fault. That's not a bad thing. It's just an observation. He wasn't challenged very much. Now, here's what you need to know about Kyler Murray that's really, really important. Kyler Murray has incredible, incredible arm talent. The way he throws the football is just special. It's different. It's rare. It's hard to find. His accuracy, his arm strength. I really, truly believe he has the smoothest delivery of any quarterback in the 2019 NFL draft class. It's just smooth. It's perfect. It's pretty. Everybody should study the way Kyler Murray throws the football and try to replicate that. And young quarterbacks take notes. This is really important. Arm strength does not come from being tall. It doesn't come from height. And it doesn't come from lifting a lot of weight. You can be really strong and really tall and still have a weak arm. Arm strength is a product of great mechanics. And Kyler Murray's mechanics are fantastic. They're flawless. Again, young quarterbacks should study the way Kyler Murray throws the football and try to emulate that. It's also important to clarify, Kyler Murray is not a running quarterback. He's a quarterback who can run. And there's a difference. It matters. He runs to extend plays. He keeps his eyes downfield. He's looking to throw. And the times when he does put his head down is when the defense drops back. They drop eight guys into coverage. They only rush three men. And Kyler looks around and goes, oh, hey, nobody's got me. And he takes off and runs. Only about once a game does he have a play where he runs too early. There was a play against Texas. He takes his eyes away from downfield. He drops his eyes, he squares his shoulders to the line of scrimmage. He's looking to run. He's not in a position to throw the football. He's become a runner, and this causes a problem. Something opens up downfield right in front of him. He's not in a position to throw the ball. A guy opens up right in front of him, and he can't do it. What he's got to do here is slide in the pocket, move like Tom Brady. I really think the best person for Kyler Murray to spend time with and learn from 
is former Washington State quarterback Gardner Minshew. The way that Gardner Minshew buys time within the pocket. He extends plays, but he keeps his shoulders square downfield, ready to always throw. Kyler Murray usually does this. But again, studying Gardner Minshew could really help him down the road as a quarterback. However, this is what kills me. People really, really overstate the concern that he doesn't keep his eyes downfield. Because he usually does. Nine out of ten times when Kyler Murray's running, he's running to extend the play and throw the ball downfield. This is where confusion comes in. Oklahoma ran a lot of quarterback draws. He drops back. His receivers run downfield. The defense backs up. Then Kyler Murray takes off running. And at first glance, it looked like he gave up on the play. He tucked his head down, and he ran. But in reality, this is by design. There's a sequence against Texas I want to run through. It's second and eight, and Texas only brings a three-man rush. They drop eight guys into coverage. The number two man bails. The outside linebacker on the left bails. The corner on the left side bails. He gets depth. He backs away from the line of scrimmage. They back way, way up. Oklahoma fakes the run, and both of the inside linebackers for Texas over-pursue to the right side of the field. So now everybody on the left is backed way, way up. There's a lot of space near the line of scrimmage. And both of the linebackers are all the way to the right side of the field. The left side of the field is wide open, and nobody has accounted for Kyler Murray. Smartly, he takes off. He goes running. He says, I had better go get yards. There's no one accounting for me. So it should have been third and two, but there was a penalty. So now it's third and seven. And this is why Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley is so, so smart. He noticed that on second and eight, nobody had accounted for Kyler Murray. There's no quarterback spy following their guy. So it's third and seven. He calls a quarterback draw. Again, Kyler Murray drops back. The receivers run downfield. The defense backs off. And Kyler Murray, again, runs downfield. But this time, because it's planned, there's a left guard in front of him lead blocking. He's got a lead blocker helping him get down the field. And this is a crucial moment. Oklahoma's down 24 to 10. It's right before halftime. That left guard blocking is pivotal. He allows Kyler to get more yards downfield and get a critical, critical first down. Kyler Murray's ability to run the football is special. His ability to throw the football is special. Everything Kyler Murray does is terrifying if you're a defense. There are two really, really big runs he had last year. One against Texas, one against West Virginia. They look almost identical. What Kyler Murray does is beats everybody to the outside. He runs all the way for a touchdown, like really, really long, long touchdowns. That's not going to happen in the NFL. Once Kyler Murray's drafted, he's not going to be able to have long touchdown runs like that. He's going to play against better athletes. They're not going to get beat to the outside the way West Virginia and Texas did. And that's why we need to talk about the Alabama game. Alabama's really the only defense that challenged Kyler Murray all season. I mean, look, he still put up 34 points. He's still fantastic. But he couldn't run. Every time he tried to take off, he got tackled. Bama was better coached than most teams Kyler Murray played against and had better athletes. It took Oklahoma two different drives to realize, oh, hey, what we've done all season isn't working. We can't keep running our guy. 
And what's even more sad is that the Oklahoma defense was atrocious. By the time Kyler Murray got the ball for a third drive, they were already down 21 to nothing. But that, that is when Kyler Murray stepped up. Threw the ball into really tight windows. Beat Alabama's one-on-one coverage. Only two other quarterbacks have done that in the last couple of years. Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's elite company. And look, I'll, I'll even say this. I believe you can see leadership on tape when you watch Kyler Murray. I believe leadership is largely about your actions. And on tape, it shows that he's a leader. It shows the way he carries himself, the way he handles himself in really tough moments. They're down big to Alabama. And he fought all the way to the end. Literally, the final play of the game was a touchdown. He ran into the end zone. From down 21 to nothing, he fought all the way back until the final score was 45 to 34. When I watch Kyler Murray, his physical ability is once in a lifetime. He's an unbelievable talent. You just don't see guys who can throw the ball the way he can and also can run the way he can. It's impeccable. It's crazy. I think he's the best passer in the NFL draft and also the best runner in the NFL draft. What everybody thought Lamar Jackson was something last year. Everyone thought Lamar Jackson could run and throw like no other. Not really. That's what Kyler Murray actually is. Kyler Murray is truly what everyone wanted Lamar Jackson to be. I don't think you can compare him to RG3. He doesn't get hit very much. He slides a lot. He's not Johnny Manziel. He has a way better arm. He's Kyler Murray. He's the best thrower of the football in the 2019 NFL draft class and also the best runner. It, it really it does him a, a injustice to compare him to anybody else. It, it's not fair to him. He's too good at talent. He's too special. No one else can really do what he does. When I see Kyler Murray, I, I see a guy who's got stuff to learn. Sure, there's a play against Texas where he fakes the run and throws a hitch to the left. It's a really tight window. And, and there are small details that Kyler Murray doesn't understand, like if, you're, if you know you're going to throw the hitch the entire time, don't run a play-action fake. It's called FTF. My coach called it FTF back in the day. He said, F the fake. Don't fake it. Even if it's in the play call, who cares? You want to get the ball out to the left as quickly as possible. F the fake. Shouldn't fake it here. Should just throw the ball immediately to the outside. Look, if I'm an offensive-minded coach, and I'm confident in my ability to develop players, then Kyler Murray is just too good an opportunity to pass up. You can't not draft Kyler Murray. I mean, you got a clean slate. He doesn't have any bad habits. All you have to do is bring him in and teach him how to use his incredible, incredible physical talent. I'm so excited to watch Kyler Murray in the NFL. I, I really am. I'm so glad he chose football. And, and I really think he's just like a, he's got no, he's got really no bad habits He's got a really good ability to read defenses. He can run. He can throw better than almost any quarterback in this draft, if not the best. And you just got to take Kyler and mold him into the player you want if you're a coach. I love Kyler Murray. He's a great quarterback. I believe in him, and he is fantastic. Okay, uh, I guess that begs the question. I've watched the film, did a lot of research. I did a video about Josh Rosen breaking down his film. I just did one for Kyler Murray. The question is now. Should the Cardinals draft Kyler Murray and trade Josh Rosen? And at first, after watching just Josh Rosen's film, I said, no way. Why would you do that? 
He's so close to success. Josh Rosen's really, really close to being successful. Give him better coaching. Use your first overall pick to build your roster, build a team around Josh Rosen. Get Joey Bosa. Maybe you trade down and get more picks and more players. I mean, I really thought, I said, the Cardinals have a quarterback. Just build around him. Give him the tools he needs to succeed. But then I watched Kyler Murray's film. And, and I just think Kyler Murray is too special to pass up. He's, he's a really, really special player. And if Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals head coach, has any confidence in his ability to develop players, then he certainly looks at Kyler Murray and goes, yeah, I can make this kid a star. Kyler allows way, way more options on offense. You trade Josh Rosen for left tackle. You can go get players you need. Trade him away, get another first-round pick. I really, really believe in being responsible. I go to bed early. I prepare. I try to make very good decisions. And maybe the responsible thing here is to keep Josh Rosen a solid quarterback and use your positioning in the draft to build around him. But man, I, I think Kyler Murray is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I really do. I took a job working on a movie when I was 19 years old. Uh, on a Wednesday, a director called me. It's Wednesday, middle of the week. Director calls me and says, if you can be here by Friday night, you have the position. I quit my job on the spot. Literally, I was on my lunch break. I quit my job, and I drove to L.A. So I'm not missing out on this opportunity. I know it didn't make any sense. I, I quit my job. I left. But again, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I believe the Cardinals should draft Kyler Murray. I do. I know the Cardinals general manager, Steve Kime, was very, very clear. He was adamant. He said, Josh Rosen is our guy. He's our quarterback. We like him. But of course he said that. Of course he's not going to burn a bridge with Josh Rosen if he doesn't have to. What if the plans change? What if the Cardinals don't draft Kyler Murray? You can't burn a bridge with Josh Rosen. That doesn't make any sense. So of course he said, that's our guy. But again, when I was 19 years old, I worked at a car place. I liked it. It was a good job. Made tips, really, really good, good money, good hours. But when I was presented a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I quit my job on the spot. I moved to L.A. Again, I believe the Cardinals should draft Kyler Murray. By the way, I really like the Cardinals hired Vance Joseph to be their defensive coordinator, and uh, I love it. Vance Joseph just, was just fired as, he was fired after being the head coach of the Broncos for the last two years. And with, in two seasons with the Broncos, he was 11 and 21 as a head coach. He was a failure as a head coach. But he's a good defensive coordinator, and Vance Joseph has really good experience in the NFL that can benefit the Cardinals. The Cardinals' new head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, has never been an NFL coach before. I really believe having Vance Joseph around is invaluable. Look, the Cardinals have two really great coordinators. They have Cliff Kingsbury, a great offensive mind, and Vance Joseph, who can run the defense and be a great defensive mind. It's a great pairing. They can both stick to what they're good at and delegate the other stuff to each other. I'm also, additionally, I'm really, really impressed with the Cardinals' general manager, Steve Kime. I looked at his record. How long has he been there? Steve Kime has been there for three different head coaches. Bruce Arians, then 
Steve Wilkes, and now Cliff Kingsbury. It, that's really hard to do. It's hard to survive under three different head coaches. Usually, you usually see a general manager do really well with one coach, have a long career. When he's fired, it's only a couple more years until the general manager's out. And I just, I really am impressed with Steve Kime. He's a great decision maker. He does a really good job. And his longevity impresses me. I really, really am excited for the future of the Cardinals. They have really good coaches on either side of the ball. They have a good general manager. I think the Cardinals are headed in the right direction as far as the people they have running their organization. Okay, uh, we had big news, really, really big news this week. The Jacksonville Jaguars have signed Nick Foles to be their next quarterback. It's a really, really big contract, four-year deal, $88 million, $50 million guaranteed. And uh, yeah, look, it's, it's a ton of money. It, it's, it is a lot, a lot of money. But hey, uh, it is an upgrade from their former quarterback, Blake Bortles. And uh, I mean, look, the Jaguars were paying Blake Bortles a premium. They were just giving him a ton of money. And if they're going to overpay for a quarterback, I'd rather them overpay Nick Foles than Blake Bortles. But again, it's worth noting, I mean, he makes $22 million a year, which is more money a year than Russell Wilson makes, more money a year than Ben Roethlisberger makes, more than Philip Rivers makes, more than Cam Newton, more than even Tom Brady makes every year. And I'm actually surprised at how much this doesn't bother me. It's okay with me. I've never once been a huge believer in Nick Foles, but I did some research. I watched some film. And uh, I really liked it. I, I, I liked what I found, and here is what I found. I want to show you a play. It's third and 10 for the Eagles. They're playing against the Rams week 15 later in the year. The ball is on the 40-yard line. They're really, really close. They're almost in field goal range. And the Eagles line up with three receivers on the right, one receiver on the left. Here is what the three guys on the right do. In the middle, you have Nelson Aguilar. He runs a vertical... Vertical route straight down the middle of the field. His job is to pressure the safeties and force them to back up. On either side of him, you have Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey. Both of them are trying to sell that they are also running vertical. And then at about 15 yards, they're going to run deep across the middle of the field. They're going to cut across the middle of the field once they can convince the safeties that they're going vertical. Now, the Rams play way, way off. They back way off. They run cover three. A linebacker and one safety are covering the deep crossers. They got three guys deep, two guys covering both crossers. None of those three wide receivers are open at all. Now, on the left side of the field, you have Golden Tate running a shallow crosser. It's about five yards. He's the very last option for Nick Foles. Here's what this means. Here's what makes this a really, really great play. Nick Foles wants to go deep downfield. It's third down. He's trying to convert. He's trying to get a first down, but he's disciplined. He throws the ball to Golden Tate, who's wide open. Eagles get seven yards. They get a seven-yard gain. It's now fourth and three. They didn't get a first down, but those seven yards really, really mattered. It may seem subtle. It may seem boring. But that completion set up a 51-yard field goal, and it gave the Eagles three points. That boring completion was the difference between a punt and three points. That's what Nick Foles brings to the Jaguars. He does the little things right. He's good on third down. He completes all the easy gimme throws. Now with Nick Foles as their quarterback, the Jaguars have a much, much higher chance of winning games. It's great. 
They don't need to teach them how to read a defense. I mean, consider this. You have to ask yourself, would you rather have Nick Foles or would you rather try to teach a young rookie quarterback how to read a defense? I would, I would much rather have the veteran Nick Foles. He's a better quarterback. And man, he's got a great arm. He's, he really does. He can fit the ball into tight windows. He's really accurate. He can beat man coverage. There's a throw against the Rams that the Jaguars' former quarterback, Blake Bortles, let's be honest, he simply would not have been able to make. It was a long throw deep down the sideline against man coverage. That's what Nick Foles brings to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's what's really cool about Nick Foles. If a receiver beats his man, he's getting the ball. He is getting the ball. Nick Foles is really, really good against man coverage. Now, here's what you need to know about Nick Foles. He's also a gambler. It's not a terrible thing, but you got to know what you're getting into. If a receiver beats a man, beats man coverage, he's getting the ball. And sometimes, even if he doesn't beat his man, he's still getting the ball. Here's what that means. Nick Foles throws a lot of 50-50 balls, meaning there's a 50% chance that the receiver's going to come down with a catch, and there's a 50% chance that the defender's going to come down with the ball, and it's going to get intercepted. He just really trusts his wide receiver sometimes to his detriment. It's good. Sometimes it's bad, especially the way he plays with Alshon Jeffries. He really liked to throw the ball up and let his receivers make plays. Again, it's kind of like gambling, and that's just what he does. You're not going to change him, I don't think. Maybe they do. Maybe the Jaguars can refine Nick Foles. I just don't think that's going to happen. And you got to accept. If you're a Jaguars fan, you got to accept right now. Expect this. At some point, Nick Foles is going to throw a really big, really dumb, really ugly interception. That's just who he is as a quarterback. He's a gambler. He takes risks. He wins sometimes, and he loses sometimes. But he does, he does complete a lot of those passes. You win big, you lose big. Now, the final two points I want to make about Nick Foles. There are two things I really, really respect about him. The first thing is this. He does not shy away from pressure. If pressure's coming at Nick Foles, he knows he's going to get hit. He doesn't back off. He doesn't shy away. He steps into it and throws the ball. He takes that hit into the chest. The second thing I really, really respect about Nick Foles is his resiliency. In the playoffs against the Bears, Nick Foles threw two interceptions before halftime. One of them was in the end zone. It was a boneheaded decision. He threw the ball up late in the end zone. It's just ugly. It's bad. And uh, he handled it really, really well in an impressive way. He said, look, I got a game to win. Who cares? It happened. And in the second half, Nick Foles came out, threw two touchdown passes, looked really, really great, and led a comeback against the Bears' fantastic, fantastic defense. I love what Nick Foles brings to the Jaguars' locker room. I mean, like, it's been a long time since Jaguars fans... And uh, let's be honest, it's been a long time since Jaguars players, since their locker room, has had a quarterback they could believe in. I mean, in recent years, the problem has been they got a really good roster and their quarterback simply isn't any good. I think an underrated quality in sports is stability. Nick Foles brings a really good veteran presence, and it's a locker room that I think could use it. Here's what's even cooler. The story gets even better. Nick Foles is pairing up with his former quarterback coach, John DiFilippo. When Nick Foles won the Super Bowl and the Eagles beat the Patriots, John DiFilippo was the Eagles quarterback coach. Well, now he's the Jaguars offensive coordinator. Last year, John DiFilippo was in Minnesota. Uh, things did not end well. He was fired. But I, I don't know. I think the Vikings did not have enough patience for John DiFilippo. They made sort of a, an emotional decision that fired him rashly middle of the season. And here's the thing. Kirk Cousins was his quarterback. 
Kirk Cousins has a mental block. He's really, really bad in big moments. He just gets overwhelmed, I think. So the jury's still out on John DeFilippo. Well, we're going to find out if he's any good as an offensive coordinator. When you pair Nick Foles with John DeFilippo, they get to work together again. And I, I think the match is going to work really, really well. I'm actually really excited to see what happens. So Nick Foles is going to the Jaguars. And, um, I mean, that's about what he is as a quarterback. He's okay. He's solid. He's got some really good things about him. He's going to bring a, a veteran presence He's going to bring stability. He'll make good throws on third down. He's just going to do the little things right. You don't have to teach him how to read a defense. He's ready to go now, and he's certainly an upgrade on Blake Bortles. He's not the best. I think they might have overpaid him a little bit, but the problem in the Jacksonville Jaguars roster next year, the problem with the Jaguars will not be their quarterback. They have an okay quarterback, a good quarterback. I think he's better than Kirk Cousins even, and I don't know. I really think that it's a good move for the Jaguars. They overpaid him a little bit, but what's the price of stability and the price of not having to worry about the quarterback position at all? I don't know. Um, I think they looked around and said we could draft Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke, and we really don't like Daniel Jones. We could draft one of those guys, a middle-of-the-road quarterback, and have a year of growth, or we could take Nick Foles now, who's ready to play, and I, I think that they made the right choice in the end. I think Nick Foles is a better choice than one of those later-round rookie quarterbacks like Daniel Jones or Drew Locke. So... Yeah, Nick Foles. I like the move. I really like the move by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, we have more coming up in a minute. We're going to talk about the Antonio Brown trade. We'll talk about the Redskins. Um, I want to remind you guys, please do me a favor. Subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports and help me grow by telling your friends about this podcast. I want to do this as my full-time job someday. Uh, it's my favorite thing in the world. I'd rather do it myself instead of you know, quitting college and joining a big sports network and getting a job somewhere. I'd rather own it myself, do it, the, do it on the internet, do it my way. Um, and that's, again, I just always try to tell people, help me grow by telling your friends about this show. But a more important uh, issue I want to talk about, something that's a me better message for me that I want to share. Um, in 2016, my younger brother took his life. It sucked. It was awful. Um, he committed suicide. And I just want to say, if you're struggling, please get help. Go talk to somebody. Talk to a professional. It's, I, I really think it's important. Uh, do not keep your struggles a secret. The suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Um, it's okay to not be okay. I've struggled a lot. I went and got help. I went and saw a counselor. Um, it's not bad. If you're struggling, please get help. Do not keep your struggles a secret. Uh, you know, my, my brother never told anyone he was struggling. I walked into his bedroom one day and found him uh, dead, and that sucked. Please don't do that. Don't allow that to happen. And again, if you're struggling, please go get help. If that's the number one takeaway you get from this podcast, let it be that is that if you're struggling, please go get help. Guys, my name is Zach Schalmer. I'm going to take a short break. I'm going to regroup. My head's all over the place. I want to just uh, get some water and go to the bathroom, take a break. When I return, we'll talk about Antonio Brown. We'll talk about the Redskins a little bit. We'll talk about another quarterback who might switch positions. Uh, it's going to be a good end of the show. My name is Zach Schalmer, and I will be right back. Okay, we are back. Um, one of my favorite things in all of sports is when you're not sure if a team's good or not. You know, there's a chance there's intrigue. Alabama, Clemson, the Golden State Warriors, they're boring. There's less intrigue because we know they're really good. Now, the Redskins are a team I'm not certain of, but I think they have a chance to be a really, really good, fascinating team next year in 2019. A couple reasons. The first one is this. The Redskins traded for quarterback Case Keenum, a guy who I'm not sure about. Two years ago with the Vikings, he had a great offensive coach, Pat Shermer, who's now the head coach of the Giants, and he had really good numbers, really dominated, was really, really productive, and led his team to the playoffs. 
Now, last year with the Broncos, Case Keenum's coaching was not as good, and his numbers were not as good. He had less than 4,000 yards passing, wasn't as productive. I think 18 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. That's off the top of my head. I just His year wasn't as good. But now in Washington, Case Keenum has a really good offensive mind, Jay Gruden as his head coach and offensive coordinator. You look at Jay Gruden's history. He got the most out of Kirk Cousins. When he was with the Redskins, the problem for Kirk Cousins was never coaching. It was always the fact that, and it's really, this is the whole, the whole Kirk Cousins career summarized in one sentence is that he's got some kind of a mental block in big moments. But again, coaching was never the issue. Jay Gruden got the best out of Kirk Cousins. And now maybe he can do that for his new quarterback, Case Keenum. I think the, the storylines go on and on. This is why the Redskins are so interesting. Next year, they play the Vikings. If you remember back to last offseason, the Redskins didn't want Kirk Cousins, so they let him walk away in free agency. The Redskins had Kirk Cousins. They said, we don't want you. They let him go. At the very same time, the Vikings had a quarterback, Case Keenum, that they didn't believe in. So they let him walk away too. They said, Case Keenum, we don't want you. And they gave Kirk Cousins, the former Redskins quarterback, a massive contract. What that means is next year we're going to get the ultimate grudge match. Two different teams playing each other and playing against their former quarterbacks. The Redskins playing against their former quarterback, Kirk Cousins, and the Vikings playing against their former quarterback, Case Keenum. The ultimate revenge game. It's going to be really fun, really interesting to watch. And look, if you look at the Redskins roster, they're got, they have talent all over the place. Before their quarterback, Alex Smith, broke his leg, the Redskins led their division, and by a lot. I mean, they were really, really on track. To make things even more interesting for the Redskins, they just signed free agent Landon Collins to a massive contract, $84 million. He's maybe, arguably, the best safety in football. He's going to play his old team, the Giants, twice a year. And uh, I, I just look at the Redskins and say, they're really interesting. They got a good roster. They have an interesting quarterback. They have a good offensive-minded head coach. Got one of the best safeties in the NFL. I think the Redskins are a team to watch. Their division, the NFC East, is not that talented. The, the Cowboys are pretty good. The Eagles are all right. And the Giants are a mess. I think there's still a chance, even with Case Keenum, not Alex Smith, that the Redskins still could win their division next year. And I, I just am fascinated and curious to watch what happens with the Redskins next year in 2019. I don't know if they're good, but that's why. That's why it's interesting, because we don't know what to expect, and we have no idea how they're going to play next year in 2019. I, I want to make it very, very clear to you guys. We have a lot, a lot of quarterback breakdowns coming up ahead. Uh, people seem to universally love them. I love doing them. It's my favorite thing in the world. I, I just love doing this show, but quarterback breakdowns especially. Look, they're a ton of work. They're really hard, but they're, they're also really, really fun and really, really rewarding. And uh, it's my passion. I just want it to be very clear. I'm going to do a ton more of those. I have a long list. I'm trying to do at least one every single episode. Uh, right now, I have Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, and Tyree Jackson. Those are the five, the, the five quarterbacks, additionally with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, Tyree Jackson. Those are the five quarterbacks I want to get out and, and do a breakdown on before the NFL draft. But we're just running out of time. we got to get these done because the NFL draft is coming up very, very quickly. So right now, the NFL draft gets priority, but then there's a long list, a, just a long, exhaustive list. I'm going to name them to you guys. I have a ton more coming. I, mean, I really have a bunch of quarterbacks I want to cover. And, and if you have a quarterback you want me to cover and do a, a video on, leave it down below in the comments. I, uh, I'll add them to the long list. The list right now includes 
Jameis Winston, Eli Manning, Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. I want to do the USC quarterback, JT Daniels. I know Jagger will really appreciate that. We'll do Drew Brees, Case Keenum, Phillip Rivers, the Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. I want to look back at Tony Romo's career. Those are just a couple of the quarterbacks I want to cover and quarterback breakdowns up ahead. And if you have anything to add, please let me know. I have a huge list, and I really want to do one a podcast, maybe two a week. And uh, I just ask that you guys give me patience, please. I'm a full-time college student. I play college football. And I want to warn you guys right now, I have spring ball coming up on April 8th. From April 8th, April 8th until May 9th, I'm going to have spring ball. I won't be making any videos during that time. Don't plan to post any podcasts during spring ball. Uh, but then on May 10th, I'm going to do a reaction to the NFL draft. I'll break down what happened in the draft. It'll give me a couple days to prepare it and get it all done. But I just want to be very clear. More is coming. More quarterback breakdown videos are coming. It's I love doing it. I love that you guys like watching it. Uh, Friday, we'll do Dwayne Haskins. Next week, we'll do Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. Then the week after that, will be my spring break. We'll do Jameis Winston, Eli Manning, and Carson Wentz. And so I, I just want to ask again, please, if there are quarterbacks you want me to cover, Leave it down below in the comments. I'll add them to my really long list. And uh, I'm just excited. I want to do this at least once every episode. And uh, it's, it's really, really fun for me. So thank you so much. And um, please leave a comment down below, the guys you want me to cover. Then the next story I want to talk about, uh, it's really, really fun. We have, we'll talk about, we have two stories we'll talk about. Uh, we have one about Michael Jordan, which will be interesting. And that'll be the show. So we have three total stories left. Two about football, one about uh, LeBron James. LeBron James and Michael Jordan. The Steelers have traded superstar wide receiver Antonio Brown to the Raiders. The Raiders gave up a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. All the Steelers got for Antonio Brown was a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. And I've seen headlines like, who won the Antonio Brown trade? Was it the Steelers or the Raiders? And I just... (laughs) I go, are you insane? Like, what are you talking about? The Raiders got the best wide receiver in the entire NFL basically for free, for nothing. It's unbelievable to me that anyone would even ask the question. Of course, the Raiders won the trade. The Steelers are idiots. I don't know what they're doing. If you look back at the last six years, Antonio Brown has 9,154 yards, 686 touch, uh, catches, 67 touchdowns. He is a seven-time Pro Bowl wide receiver, and he's only 30 years old. I just don't understand what anyone was thinking. Why would the Steelers give him away for so little? Especially at the same time. So today, Odell Beckham Jr. was traded away. A first-round pick, a third-round pick, and a starting safety. Earlier in the year, we saw uh, uh, Amari Cooper get traded for a first-round pick. The best wide receiver in all of football didn't even get traded for a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fifth-round pick. That's a terrible, terrible trade for the Steelers. It's a really, really good bargain for the Raiders. Now, it's worth noting the Raiders did re-sign Antonio Brown. They gave him a new contract, three years, $50 million, $30 million, fully guaranteed. Um, But, you know, when I look, here's where my brain goes after the Antonio Brown trade. I just remember last year when the Raiders traded their best wide receiver, Amari Cooper, away for a first-round pick. I, I just don't understand. In what world... Is Amari Cooper worth a first-round pick, and Antonio Brown is only worth a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick? I just don't understand. A guy who has less than 100 catches is worth a first-round pick, and yet the best wide receiver in all of the NFL, I don't know. Uh, the Raiders, the Steelers did terrible. It's great for the Raiders. If you're a Raiders fan, oh my goodness, they got the deal of the century. It's b- unbelievable. 
I, I want you know, Raiders fans, if you're watching, please, I want you to go back one more time to your memory banks. Again, let's think back to last year. Do you remember last season <laughs> when the Raiders traded away Khalil Mack for two first-round draft picks? And everybody went ballistic. Everybody freaked out. Said, John Gruden is ruining our roster. Well, since becoming <laughs> the Raiders head coach, John Gruden actually has done nothing but make really, really amazing trades. Think about it. Amari Cooper for a first-round pick. Khalil Mack for two first-round picks. Now they traded for Antonio Brown and only gave up a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. I just look at it. I think the Raiders have a plan. The Raiders are on track to be a really good franchise. They have a quarterback, Derek Carr, that now the best wide receiver in the NFL draft. They have three first-round picks in the 2019 NFL draft. They have two first-round picks in the 2020 NFL draft. It's been reported that they signed Trent Brown, a left tackle from the Patriots and free agency that makes their offensive line better. They signed a safety from the Rams, LaMarcus Joyner. Their defense is better. I mean, man, I just look at the Raiders. They're building something. I'm convinced the Raiders head coach John Gruden is not an idiot. I just, the way we talk about John Gruden, the way everybody seems to be, the, the Khalil Mack trade, the way everyone reacted to that. Oh my goodness, you can't give up this great player. I think with hindsight, everything's working out. It's okay. I, I just, man, again, great quarterback. They built, uh, made their offensive line better. They got a safety, got the best wide receiver in football. Five draft picks in the first round of the next two years. I don't know, man. And Antonio Brown, by the way, is great. He's really, really great, not only for the Raiders on the field. I think he's good for their locker room as well. John Gruden said this. He said that Antonio Brown is the hardest working player he's ever seen at practice. And I, I think that's great for their culture. And if you don't believe me, if you think Antonio Brown's a diva, fine. He, he is a little bit. But look at him playing on the field. The way he's developed over the years, it is very, very clear. Antonio Brown is probably the hardest working guy in the NFL. I agree with John Gruden's statement. His work ethic is a product of everything you see on the field. It's just obvious to me. I don't think, I do not believe Antonio Brown is bad for the Raiders locker room at all. Um, I think he's going to bring a lot of competitive spirit to practice and really make them better as a team. I mean, 2018 was rough for the Raiders. Let, let's be honest. They went 4-12. and 12. They were last in their division. But it was also the beginning of something. Like, the Raiders are on the right track. Last year was rough, but it kicked off the beginning of building their new culture. I think Raiders, you know, Raiders fans jumped way too quickly on the panic button. They just said, oh my gosh, John Gruden's awful. I freaked out. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in 2018, the move they did, trading away Khalil Mack, made their team better for the future. Last year, they traded away. I mean, this year in 2019, they have the fourth overall pick, the 24th overall pick, the 27th overall pick, three first-round draft picks, and now the best wide receiver in the NFL. Their offensive line is better. They're out of safety. They have a quarterback. They have a really good head coach. I like, I like their general manager, Mike Mayock. I think the Raiders' future looks really bright. And they're absolutely on the right track and headed in the right direction. So Trace McSorley is a quarterback who is about to enter the NFL. He went to Penn State. He's eligible for the uh, the NFL draft, although I think it's unlikely he's actually going to get picked. It's more likely he's going to sign in free agency with the team. But, uh, you know, when you watch... 
Trace McSorley. I've, I've never broken down his film in depth, but I've watched him play a lot. He's a running quarterback. He's a guy who's more of a run-first quarterback who can throw a little bit, but he really struggles with accuracy. And at the NFL Combine, some teams wanted Trace McSorley to work out as a defensive back. They said, we, we really don't care about you as a quarterback. We want to see you work out on defense. And Trace McSorley said, no. He said, nah, I'm a quarterback. So I haven't seen all the film, but my general stance on this is that you should try to succeed as a quarterback before you change positions and give up on your dreams. I think he really, I mean, look, coaches, evaluators, they've all been wrong before. And Trace McSorley has a chance, a chance to prove everybody wrong. The reason why Trace McSorley has bad accuracy is because he has bad mechanics and bad footwork. That's fixable. Your mechanics, your footwork, those are all things that can be solved with good coaching. Especially if you seek it out and go pay someone, a, a private quarterback coach, to help you fix your footwork. Go work with Jordan Palmer, the guy who works with Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Tyree Jackson, Drew Locke. Quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Trace McSorley needs to go seek help and get better. And if he does, he could play. I like him. I mean, he's a really a scrappy quarterback. He's got a, I loved watching him play in the Rose Bowl years ago against USC. I, I just, I like Trace McSorley, the quarterback. I think he's really a fascinating prospect. I think he should follow his passion. He should let it play out. At some point, he's going to have to decide, is my passion playing quarterback or is my passion playing in the NFL? That might happen. That might be a real legitimate scenario. And if that happens and he says, my passion's quarterback and has to leave the NFL, if no one wants him, he might go play in the Alliance of American Football or maybe in Canada. But watching Trace McSorley in Canada sounds a lot of fun to me. Watching him in the AAF, that sounds really fun. The way he plays, his place running all over, making crazy wild plays. I don't know. I just I would love to watch Trace McSorley play football somewhere. I think he's interesting as a prospect because of his scrappy runaround play style. But again, at some point, a team might come to him and say, look, we need you on defense. And if he wants a job, then he's going to have to say, well, okay. He's going to put his team first and switch positions to leave the quarterback spot. But I do not think that Trace McSorley is selfish. That's one of the narratives you've seen is that People are calling Trace McSorley selfish because he's not willing to switch to defense and help his team. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, he, maybe he will switch positions someday, but he's not selfish for following his heart. I don't know. You, you shouldn't give it all up. You shouldn't, I think you should fail first before you give up on your dreams. He, if, he's, if he's really passionate about playing quarterback, he should give it all he has. Let it play out. And uh, you should fail before you give up. Don't give up before you've tried and failed. That, that's my philosophy. And I think that, uh, Trace McSorley's doing nothing wrong by trying to play quarterback and trying to keep his job. If he loves quarterback and is truly passionate about it, he should pursue playing quarterback as long as he possibly can. Okay, um, last topic of the day. It's a lot of reading for me. It's a, just a gigantic quote. Um, but the other day, LeBron James passed Michael Jordan in all-time points. And uh, the next day I made a video and a lot of people made videos talking about how it was boring or whatever. And they talked about the end of the game. My video was this. I said, I'm really disappointed in LeBron James. I said the way he's carried himself. And um, it, it, I made seven points that proved and showed LeBron James is not being a good example and, and really showing bad leadership of the Lakers. Now, Rajon Rondo, LeBron's teammate on the Lakers, uh, put this long quote on Instagram. I'm going to read it to you guys. He said this. This is Rajon Rondo speaking about his teammate LeBron James. He said, 
The real story that everyone should be talking about is how my teammate LeBron James accomplished a huge milestone in last night's game. What he has accomplished in this game, he means basketball, shows where hard work, dedication, and perseverance can take you. Shows that little kids that don't come from privilege, success is attainable. It shows that no one can tell you how great you can be. And most of all, you can, and then he says, most of y'all, most of you people out there, most of you broadcasters have made a career out of discussion about LeBron James. And it's weird you guys can't pay the man a little bit of respect. He continues and says, LeBron James, congratulations on, in all caps, everything. You deserve all the success and happiness that God and the universe has to offer. And I love that. I really love that Rajon Rondo was, A, supporting his player, and B, pointing out how, look, it's easy to get caught up in the narrative and say, you know, LeBron James this, LeBron James that, it's bad, it's boring, or it's not entertaining, or he's a, a bad leader, or his actions suck. Um, but I want to take a moment. This inspired me to take a moment and say that, look, LeBron James has been my favorite player for years. And I was, I've been very disappointed in his year this year. I've been, I don't like the way he's carrying himself. I think the wine's dumb and I made a whole video about it. Go watch it. Um, but that doesn't change all the memories from the past. And we have, we've had so many great moments over the years. LeBron James has been my favorite player to watch for years and years. And so um, I, I'm very grateful for LeBron James. If you're watching, you're not, you aren't. There's no way. Uh, but thank you, LeBron. I really, um, I, I have had a, a great life. My whole life, LeBron James has been kind of the focal point. And it's been a really a good run and really enjoyable. And it's cool that he broke the Michael Jordan uh, points list uh, for scoring. And um, he's got, he's, LeBron James has now scored more points in the NBA than Michael Jordan is. And I just never took a moment on the show to celebrate that. So I wanted to point that out and say uh, congratulations to LeBron James. You've done a lot of great stuff for the sport of basketball, and it's been a really good time uh, watching you play over the years. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. That's all I have. A long episode. i got a lot of work to do. I know there's other NFL free agent work. I, am, I'm do- I have a paper due Friday, a paper due Tuesday. I have a whole podcast to edit right now. On Friday, we'll do another show. We'll talk about more free agent news. But I wanted to get the Kyler Murray and Nick Foles breakdowns out as soon as possible. And uh, the first thing we'll post in this episode, you'll watch, is the Odell Beckham Jr. video will go live. And then about probably three or four hours later, because i got to edit. It's going to take a while. Uh, edit and then upload the Nick Foles. The entire podcast will go up. Guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And uh, ba-dum, bum, bam, we are done. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is my podcast, Strong Opinion Sports. It is my favorite thing in the entire world. And I, I want to I ask for your help. I want this show to grow. I want more people to watch and more people to listen to this podcast. My dream is to do this show as my full-time job. I want to own it myself. I want to do it on the internet and have complete control. I don't want to do it for CBS or ESPN. I don't want to work for a big network. I want to own it myself. And if you believe in that dream, please do me a huge favor. Help me grow by telling your friends about this podcast. Share it on Facebook, share a link on Twitter, maybe you screenshot it, put it on Instagram. I, I, I don't have a marketing strategy beyond this. This is all I have. You know, a lot of people, one of the most common comments I get on YouTube is, you have great content. We love your stuff. You deserve more viewers. What you should do is you should buy ad spaces on Facebook or Twitter or promote yourself and buy, buy revenue, like buy ads. I have no money. I am a broke college kid. I, I can't buy ad spaces. I, I, I don't have... I don't have money to pay for books. And so my plan, this is my marketing plan. This is my strategy. All I plan to do is put every ounce of effort I have into making the very best podcast I can. I believe if I make a great product that people believe in, that people like, 
then they will share it with their friends. And so if you agree with that, if you believe in this show, if you like what I do, please do me a huge favor. Tell your friends about it. Help me grow by telling your friends about this podcast.